Good morning, Dunbar Heights. As you already know, my name is Dave, and I am the Associate Pastor of Youth and Young Adults, and it is my joy to bring us God's Word and be under God's Word together today. Uh, The passage we're looking at is Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 to 37. Let me read that for us now. Again, you have heard it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from evil or the evil one. This is God's word. So I want to start with one question, and you can say it to me, and I can say it to you, and we can say it to each other, and here's the question. Can I trust you? Can I trust you? Now, I actually think that this question is at the heart of what our passage is getting at today. Can I trust you, especially in our promises and commitments? Now, trust is really important. Because if I mistrust or distrust or not quite sure if I trust, doesn't that change the way we interact? So for husbands and wives, like from last week, if there's mistrust in our promises and vows, if there's something kind of hanging over us like a certificate of divorce, doesn't that change the way we can trust one another? Friends and family, can I trust you to do what you say even when you've maybe broken some of those promises before. Can I trust you? I think that's a really important question for us. Now, in our passage today, Jesus simplifies how we can actually say yes to this question, can I trust you? First, he sets the story of, of promising in the Old Testament. Second, he exposes our evil nature, and how we break trust. And thirdly, he gives us clarity on how we can be a new people of trust in what we say. So first, what's the story or summary idea of promising or making commitments in the Old Testament? Jesus is talking about here. Now keep in mind that our passage, like the previous three on anger and lust and divorce, Jesus is filling in more details of how he has come to fulfill. Remember verse 17 of chapter 5, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but fulfill them. So Jesus is the only way for us to see and understand the Old Testament clearly. He is the word and the promises and commandments of God made alive, in person, all of the law and the prophets and what they say. So what is Jesus bringing alive for us here? Well, our passage, verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people of long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. Jesus is speaking about oaths fulfilling vows. And instead of referring to just one passage, Jesus is summarizing or bringing 
fullness of understanding to a number of Old Testament passages on the way we speak and promise. Let's just look briefly at two passages here. Now, you might be familiar with the Ten Commandments. Jesus likely had in mind the third commandment. Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Now, many of us would know this verse. Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. So hold on to that one. Another passage we could look at is Numbers chapter 30, verses 1 and 2. Moses said to the heads of the tribes of Israel, this is what the Lord commands. When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything he said. So what is Jesus summarizing with commands and promises like these? Basically, he's saying, do not misuse or abuse God's holy name or obligations we have in oaths and vows. What? Okay, at first this might not seem too relevant, especially if you're a young person. Listen, Dave, I don't really make oaths and vows. Yeah, I get that uh, there are marriage vows and maybe oaths you say in a courtroom, like to swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God. But I don't speak this way. Okay, before you tune out, okay, before you tune out, here's a question. Have you ever maybe signed a contract? And I'm talking about just something you said you would do, right? Maybe it's, I'll do this and I, I won't do this. Maybe in an elementary school classroom. Or have you ever made a promise? And some of you know what I'm talking about when I say, have you ever made a pinky swear? Or have you ever uttered the phrase, oh, I swear to God, now, these are just ways we say, you can trust me. You can trust what I say. And Jesus is digging into the way we say to each other, you can trust me. Now, like our promises and contracts we sign, oaths and vows are meant to be binding, kind of to lock us into a promise and to generate consequences for breaking these vows and promises. Now, here's just a modern, simplified version of this for me. So many years ago, uh, I signed a lease for a really, really bad apartment, and I didn't realize how bad it was. And because I was like, this is a really bad apartment, I'm going to try to break this lease because I, I couldn't fulfill this vow. If I broke the lease, I would leave. Now, I was legally and financially obligated. There was a consequence, and it was thousands of dollars, and I was a student, I did not have that kind of resource. Now, luckily, we did find some people uh, to fulfill the lease, but I was super nervous until we did. I'd made that promise, and I was held accountable. Now, Jesus here is referring to taking the Lord's name in vain and to be making a vow to the Lord with an obligation. What's happening here? What's the big deal, Jesus? Jesus is pointing out that a promise an oath or a vow needs weightiness and substance for that promise to be trustworthy, right? What if I don't quite know you? Or maybe I've heard some things that make me kind of mistrust you. I'll need something that's going to help me trust. Now, the most weight and power we can have is actually the authority of God, right? Re represented by his name. 
the name of God, the name of the Lord. And we are not to take the name of the Lord in vain. So misusing the name of the God of all creation is wrong in either a rude or unfitting way. It's like saying, oh my God, in, in a foolish way, or using the name of Jesus Christ in anger or thoughtlessness. But we also can't use God's name for our own ends. God is very clear about this. So what's the problem that Jesus is kind of directing us to? What's he bringing alive? He's saying, okay, don't do these things. And you need to take your oath seriously. What, what's, he, what's he saying here? Let's take a deeper dive on what Jesus is saying to our question, can I trust you? What's at the heart of the problem of the use of oaths and vows and promises? What is Jesus exposing in our ways of committing and promising? Verse 34 says this, but I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Do not misuse or abuse the name of God, especially in promises. In these verses, Jesus names kind of four ways in which religious leaders in his day abused trust. Swearing an oath by heaven or earth or Jerusalem or even our own lives was binding themselves to things that actually belong to God already. Even ourselves were made by him for him, right? So Jesus is saying, don't try to exploit God's stuff for your own purposes. Don't do it. So do not misuse or abuse the name of God, especially in promises. And secondly, what I think Jesus is speaking into refers to what the religious leaders were teaching on making promises. And I encourage you to take a look at all of Matthew 23, but in this little passage here, Jesus is actually expanding on the same idea we're talking about. Let me read to you parts of a few verses. Matthew 23, starting at verse 16. He says, Woe to you, blind guides! You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But if anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by that oath, you blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? And in verse 19, he says, You blind men! He is calling these religious leaders blind guides, blind fools, blind men. That sounds pretty harsh. Why is Jesus so upset? Well, what he's saying here is what's going on is confusion, lack of clarity, messing with trust in God, abusing and misusing the things of God. These religious people are creating duplicity or double talk with their promises. Swearing or attaching your promise to the temple or the altar mean nothing, but swearing or attaching your promise to gold and the gift binds promises? Now, Jesus says in this passage, like ours, don't do it. Stop. They're abusing promises. They're abusing the commitments of promises. All of this, all of this belongs to God. Don't make distinctions like this in your promises. Promises made with confusion and questionable religious guarantees, you know what they do? They kind of allow for us to actually skip out on our obligations. 
lie about our commitments, make all sorts of excuses. This is what they did back in Jesus' day. And can't we see this in our own culture today? Again, remember the question we had at the beginning. Can I trust you? And friends, it can be hard right now to trust in the promises and commitments and words of so many people all around us. Like in Jesus' day, we experience manipulation, tricking people, and weakening confidence and trust. Now let's get personal for a minute. And I'm certainly talking about adults, but also to the kids and youth and young adults. Think about this. When you make promises and commitments, are we already building in ways to escape? Ways to escape and kind of get out of the promises, especially if they're kind of hard or inconvenient? Sure, I promise to study, but... Or, sure, I'll clean my room, but... Sure, I'll come and hang out with you, but... Now, our lives are so filled with options. We get this kind of fear that we're going to miss out on anything. So our tendency can be that we just bail out on our promises and commitments. I say I'll go here, but when something over here looks good, I want to go over there. Now, obviously, I get that life happens, and we do change our minds. But doesn't this kind of pattern of behavior and desire to kind of skip out on our promises damage trust in relationships? Doesn't this kind of erode and change not just trust in one another, but even trust in what I say to myself? So I'm not talking with just like, I trust that I'm going to say what I do in simple ways like, oh, this diet or this workout. But maybe deeper and spiritually, we might start losing confidence in committing ourselves to spiritual things. Like, I can't, can't really trust that I'm going to commit to reading my Bible. Or should I really even commit to praying or to coming to church or to going to youth group? And again, we can ask the question, can I be trusted with what I say? Now, as I've said, this is kind of all over our culture in this world. And I want you to know that Jesus is speaking to his disciples, saying, this is not the way of faith. No, this is not the way of the kingdom of God. Now, especially as Christians, if we're making promises with the possibility of breaking them, or if we're doing everything we can to get out of our commitments, what is this doing? When we aren't quite trustworthy, can we be trusted when we talk about the things of our faith or talk about Jesus? It's pretty important. Now, here's an example from my own life. Let me put me in the spotlight here. As some of you might know that I've been involved with foster care. Uh, and if you don't know, foster care is basically when kids uh, can't really stay at their home because it's not safe or healthy. Now, the kids that I do foster care relief for are amazing kids. But as you might expect, they have some trust issues. 
They've had so many promises in their lives broken. They have lots of questions of trust. Now, this week, I went to pick up one of my guys, and he ran out to me asking, are we going swimming? And as soon as he asked, as soon as he asked, I remembered, oh yeah, we talked about that last week. And this week, I did not even check the registration to see if we could go. Now, I I could make a bunch of excuses, and I didn't exactly promise that we were going to go, but he took what I said seriously. And actually, that's a big deal for a kid who has a hard time trusting. He thought we had kind of agreed that we might go swimming. But you see, I wasn't clear. I wasn't quite honest with him just to make my life a little bit easier. And you know what that did? It kind of hurt him. And it hurt his trust in me. Now, as maybe one of the only Christians in his life, this is actually pain for me, painful for me to say, but if we asked him the question, can you, can you kind of trust Dave? He'd kind of maybe say, well, probably not so much right now. But thankfully, I had this passage from Matthew 5, to 37 on my heart all week. And we had a conversation where I told him, you know what? We did talk about this and I messed it up. I did not say, I did not do what I said I was going to do. And I had to confess that to him. And Jesus is telling me and telling us that making weak promises is not who you are. So, what does Jesus teach us to transform the answer of that question? Can I trust you? Into an actual yes and amen. What does Jesus teach us? Well, let's take a look. Remember the question, can I trust you? What does Jesus teach us to solve this problem of lies and broken promises and excuses and stealing glory from God's name? Well, verse 37, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from evil or the evil one. First thing I want to look at, he calls it out. Breaking promises, vows, oaths, manipulating promises for your own gain is not only not cute, not clever, not acceptable, not the way to get ahead, it's evil and it's wrong. It's actually the devil's playground. The devil is the father of lies and we're bringing the tactics of the enemy into the kingdom of God. Totally unacceptable. Jesus has come to bring the kingdom of light and saves us from the domain of darkness. James puts it this way, very similar to what Jesus says. Chapter 5, verse 12. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Now, James basically repeats Jesus' teaching and reminds us that when we manipulate God's name or break promises, there's judgment. And so here we're talking about evil and enemy and judgment and condemnation. Does this make you a little uncomfortable? Because we all kind of do this sometimes, don't we? We lie and manipulate the truth. 
make up stuff in our excuses. And we should kind of let this word sit for a moment. Let this hard word sit for a moment. And it's not to, to cause shame. No, never. And not to give you despair like, oh, I can never do this. No, but to remember Jesus is preaching this message to his disciples, whom he loves, whom he saves from their sin on that cross. And he takes their judgment and condemnation, breaking the power of the enemy. Because Jesus bore our sins. He bore our judgment, our guilt, our shame, our evil on the cross. So, friends, come and repent confess, bring your lies and your broken promises and excuses to Jesus and to the others whom you have broken promises to, because there is a better story. There is a better story. And what is that better story? And the last thing I want to look at, verse 37 again, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from evil. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Simple, clear, and trustworthy. We need to stop trying to attach ourselves to something else to give us our and our words value. We need to stop trying to attach ourselves to something else to give us and our words value. Jesus is saying we're, we're actually stealing glory from God when we misuse his name but also when we attach our value to heaven or earth or church or anything else inside those things because we are misusing things that belong to God. And instead of trying to attach ourselves and our value to the things of God, would you allow God to attach himself to you, to attach his value to you? You, made in the image of God, made to reflect his character, his goodness, and his trustworthiness. Now, if you don't yet belong to him, you don't have to live the lies and the broken promises of this world. You can let your first yes be to Jesus and no to the evil and lies of this world. You can believe in the name, the person, the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let him attach himself to you, to abide in you, to make a home in you. You can become a child of God, a son, a daughter. So say yes to Jesus and his cross and no to the ways of this world and the enemy then, when we do that, when we are Christians, all our yeses and nos will be transformed. Now, what I'm saying sounds clear and simple, but it's not easy, is it? Jesus tells us that when we say yes and mean it, when we commit, we need to commit wisely, don't we? We can't just say yes to whatever. We need to do this wisely thoughtfully, faithfully. Now, I know some of you kids and teens have every opportunity to do every different thing. 
And some of those things I'm quite jealous of. These are fantastic things, so many of them. But you have to make sure to be making the choices that reflect God and to reflect who God has called you to be, His very own. Now, for example, as we begin to form our youth group, and a group that wants to be together as Christians, to grow in our faith, so we can practice saying yes to Jesus and doing that together, and by purposely being with Jesus, is youth group something you should say yes to? And I leave that with you. Now, friends, when we do say yes, yes, the good thing is people can start to see that we mean our yes as a Christian. And something happens. What we say about Jesus can actually become more trustworthy. People can become more open to hearing from us because we are trustworthy. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, lives can be changed when you talk about Jesus. Something happens when we're more trustworthy. Now, remember that our no also have to be true as well. And for most of us, especially as adults, we know that when we commit to saying yes to something here, we actually have to say no to something here. And there's probably lots of examples in your life. And maybe so, more with the no than the yes, doesn't the no often come at a cost? Now, if we think about Jesus, maybe we can more and more reflect Jesus when he said yes to the Father's way, yes to the cross, and no to the easy way out. Because there was an enormous cost when Jesus said no to the easy way out. So we can say yes to integrity and gospel truth, but you and I need to say no to other things. Like, for example, a shady business deal that could maybe make us a lot of money or no to things that mean that we might miss out on something. Maybe some pleasure that we think, oh, I just kind of deserve that. Or no to having a higher status. Or no even to some relationships. So we need to also say no wisely, thoughtfully, and faithfully. Will you follow Jesus and what he says no to? Sin, the world, and the devil. Now, it's great this is so simple, isn't it? Yes and no, and they have to mean something. Simple, but it's really hard. Verse 37 again, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from evil. So as we wrap it up, here's what I want to encourage us with. Remember the question I had at the beginning, can I trust you? When we see our broken promises, and oaths and vows, when we see our manipulation, excuses and lies, when we see how we take glory away from God by misusing his name or what he has made, how Jesus calls us evil and of the enemy, does that not sting a little bit? But do you hear Jesus' solution? All you need to say is simply yes or no. Yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from evil. And here's the thing. You and I can be truthful. 
We can turn away from lies. We can repent. We can confess these to God. And when you and I make simple yes and no decisions, we can commit. We can actually commit ourselves. And you see, when we do this, how this actually helps us with our very first question. Can I trust you? Can I trust you? I want you to imagine how good that is and what God can do with that. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, and I encourage you to be so, you can actually prove yourself trustworthy because, because you are following in the footsteps of your Savior. You're following in the footsteps of your Savior. And I want to end with this verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And if we're asking God, can I trust you? Listen to this verse. Verse 20 of 2 Corinthians 1. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Hear that again. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Amen. Let me just leave us with this benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.